0: Welcome to the Crossview Church message of the week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Thank you so much, Scott and Nikki. Uh, It's so great to be together. You know, one of the things that uh, we have been doing through our Galatians series is just beginning to to read the letter out loud together, which is a a long-standing practice of uh, our faith. And so it's really great to hear some of that read. And I hope... I hope it, uh, it, the Spirit just moves through you uh, as you hear the scripture read and as we dive in today. You know, there's a, a really famous saying from the founder of our Methodist movement, John Wesley, when he heard the introduction to, the, uh, to a commentary on the book of Romans. He said his heart was strangely warmed and it was a conversion experience for him. Not only do I — I mean, we're, exper- we're experiencing like warmth all over this morning, right? And hopefully through the movement of the Spirit today too so uh, we 're in, in the third week of our Galatians series, and so far we' spent a, a good amount of time uh, talking about and looking at the context and the larger story around what 's happening in the book and in the culture and what the, what paul 's addressing and so Uh, That's been really fun, but today what I'd like to do is to kind of narrow our focus a little bit. I would like to focus on one particular question that's so very important to the book of Galatians and so very foundational to our faith as Christians. And so if you are joining us this morning or if you're with us online and you have been wondering about relationship with God, what does that look like? How does it work? That's what we're talking about today. This question of what does it mean to be made right with God? What does relationship with God look like? And I'm so excited, this is so transformational, uh, and it's so important for us to understand. This is one of these basics. You know, I've grown, as I've grown uh, in my faith, uh, I've learned that there's usually a large gap between understanding something versus internalizing and living out that something. Has that been true of your experience too? And so this is one of those things that I hope that we can let the truth of Jesus, the truth of what Galatians teaches us, pass from just going into our ears to abiding deep in our hearts and out through our lives. That's something that we all want to do as followers of Jesus, right? We want it to transform and change. That's one of the things that is primary for us here at Crossview in our discipleship pathway. So what does it mean to be made right with God? How do you have relationship with God? This is a major point of concern in the book of Galatians. So as we get there, I think it's important to ask this question. What did relationship with God look like before Jesus? Right? That's kind of a fun question. At least it's fun for those of us who are following Jesus and interested in this kind of stuff. So to answer this, and you're going to see how powerful this is as we go through this today. So to answer this question, we're going to go back to the very beginning of the story. So remember how a few weeks ago we outlined at the beginning of this when we were looking at the cultural, cultural context of the book of Galatians, there's a lot of different layers to consider. There's a few layers to this today too. What we're going to do is on a very surface level, track what relationship looked like uh, before Jesus from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And there's two primary things that we want to be concerned with. So just hang on to that and uh, we're going to see how this works in scriptures, in, th- in the scripture. Even though there's layers of complication, we need to keep coming back and reminding ourselves that in Galatians, there's one thing that's so powerful about Galatians, which is part of its beauty comes from the clarity of its message about who Jesus is, okay? We're not going to forget that as we look at this. So what did relationship look like before Jesus? We'll start at the beginning, all the way back into Genesis, Right? Relationship with God, think, we think Adam and Eve, it's beautiful, it's intimate. They are literally walking around the garden with God. Isn't that a, an amazing picture? Something we would hope to have, we don't have that, but there was no shame, no fear. There was perfect alignment between humanity and God, heart, mind, and soul. It's a beautiful picture of the beginning of what relationship looks like. So. It's this great picture. We get this image of Adam and Eve walking around with God. Now consider God's original design for humanity. What was his intention? God's original intention for humanity was to be his primary rulers and heirs on the earth, ruling as his representatives in his way, in his power, with his heart, right? It's really cool when you understand. This is how it was all designed to start. Look at the very beginning here in Genesis 1, 28. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And that's what happened, right? Well, at least for a few chapters, that's what happened. (laughs) Only after a few chapters, humanity chose to disobey God and do their own thing. Now if you give someone significant responsibility, maybe you are uh, a boss, maybe you're an employer, maybe you have people that work under you and you give some significant responsibility. There's some expectations around that, right? And when that responsibility, that trust is broken, what happens? Well, you can't trust them any longer. And essentially, this is what happened with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve break the special walking around the garden relationship with God. Their eyes are open, their perspective changes. And having chosen their own path, they are in trouble. And this is where the idea of sin enters the picture, right? This breaking of relationship with God, this stuff which separates us from God. Literally, humanity choosing to go a different direction than where God had intended, So all of a sudden, it says they're naked, they are aware of that, they're full of shame. And they can't be in God's presence in the way that they are. In their rejection of God, something has to be done. So, think about this. This is where it starts to get really cool when we start to understand the larger story of Scripture. What's one of the first deaths that's recorded in the Bible? It's when God takes the animal and kills it and creates clothes for Adam and Eve. God's action of killing the animal provides the means to cover Adam and Eve's shame, nakedness, and sin so that they could be in God's presence. Think about this. This is powerful. It's the beginning On a very surface level, it's the beginning of the sacrificial system. And it's how it worked then for hundreds and hundreds of years. God's people, through sacrifice of animals and the giving of other things, covered their sin to maintain relationship with God to some degree. The thing is, the sacrificial system, the covering, it didn't take care of the sin, it just covered it up, right? At least... To some degree so that they could main, maintain relationship with God. God and Adam and Eve knew that something had to be done to finally take care of the stuff that separates us from relationship with God. The t- something needed to be done to take care of our wandering hearts. <laughs> That's the first layer that we need to think about and remember how this works. We see that happening from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament. But here's the second layer. Uh, The second aspect of relationship with God and how it worked before Jesus is that uh, God wasn't content with just leaving humanity alone. He wanted relationship. We have a God that seeks us out. And so one of the other primary means of relationship between humanity and God through the Old Testament, you've heard me talk about this a lot, are covenants, right? Relational agreements between God and humanity, we make covenants together when we take wedding, wedding vows, a promise to be in a particular type of relationship with your spouse, and I love these in the Bible. So even though relationship with God and humanity was broken, God kept reaching out and wanting relationship, and it all starts with Abraham In in Genesis, in chapter 12, look at this. This is what it says. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. This is a covenant where God says, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. And it's a unilateral covenant, which means at the beginning, humanity didn't have any responsibility. God said, I'm going to do this and we're going to be in a relationship. That's awesome, right? (laughs) And then as those things start to move from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you've heard me say this too, the covenants get more personal and more intimate. And you and I, humanity, have some responsibility in maintaining these the relationship. This happens very clearly when God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. We're going to be in relationship, but here's what you've got to do. Here's how you maintain this relationship. God says, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. But now you have, you have some responsibility in this. This is the beginning of what we read as the law. Remember that as we're going through Galatians, the law is everywhere. We see the Bible. We see it all over in the Bible. It's talked a lot about, about a lot. So the Jewish leaders take their scriptures that which was for them was the first five books of the Old Testament and they tallied up all the commands that God gave them including the ones that he gave Moses. And they came up with a list of 613 commands that each person had to follow on a regular basis. That sounds fun, right? (laughs) But it gets even worse. Uh, while following the 613 commandments would be hard enough, over time, Jewish religious leaders began to add slowly to these 613 uh, commandments as an ongoing commentary on what the people needed to do to be in relationship with God. The original intent of these additions was to clarify the law Ironically, but it ended up adding so many layers of complication that relationship with God just got hard. So for the Pharisees, they tried to follow these 613 commandments of the Mosaic law, but then literally thousands of new commandments were created to clarify the 613 commandments. For example, in the Mosaic law, one of the commandments is to keep the Sabbath, to keep it holy. We know that one. We, it's one of the ten Which means that the Jewish people were not supposed to work on the Sabbath. But to clarify this, Jewish religious scholars created 39 separate categories of work. And within those 39 categories, there are many subcategories as well. It's getting complicated, isn't it? So to follow the rule of not working on the Sabbath, there are literally thousands of subrules, including how many steps you can take, how many letters you can write, etc. This is what it was like, the expectations of maintaining relationship with God. So we get stories like the one that we find in Mark chapter 2, where the Pharisees were questioning Jesus about why the disciples were picking wheat off the heads of stalks as they passed by. They were upset because the disciples, Jesus was a rabbi. He should have known all of these categories and expected them to do that. How about a current example? A few years ago, when we were over in Israel— um, there was a special Sabbath elevator in most buildings for non-Jewish people that, because all the, other, all, all the other elevators were shut down on the Sabbath because Jewish people could not push a button on the Sabbath. So there was a separate elevator for those of us who were not Jewish. The power would stay on to that elevator and we could take that up and down. Crazy. That's work for them. So we see that both today and in the scriptures as missing the point. It feels like they've lost the heart of following God, of what it means to be in relationship with God. They're stuck in the letter of the law. But the heart of God is so beautiful, the message of Paul in the midst of all of this is so clear, and this is what is so exciting and invigorating for us as followers of Jesus. Look at what it says in Galatians 3 chapter 11, you heard it read. It says, so it is clear that no one can be made right with God, that is no one can have A regular type this in this relationship that God had intended for all of us by trying to keep the law. For scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. In verse 19, why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins, but the law was designed to last only until the coming of, a child, of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses who was the mediator between God and the people. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. That's very helpful to reframe and reorient what the purpose of the law was. It was a placeholder until God could finally do something about it. Paul is so very clear. In Galatians, about what God did. The law was never meant to last. The final version of how God would relate to humanity or and take care of its sin, the final version of what God would do came to us in the person of Jesus. Amen? So great. Did you know that that's one of the unique aspects of the Christian faith? is that we don't have to work our way up to God. We don't have to ascend to in some kind of working out regular actions or knowledge or through our behavior. The wonder of of the God of the Bible is that he came to us. That's one of the unique aspects of our faith, that we have a God who is so full of grace, who is seeking out a way to finally have relationship with us as it was intended to be. Even while we were fully rejecting him, the Bible says, going a completely opposite and different direction, he invites us into this relationship. In Galatians 3.23, it says this, Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. This, if you think about it, when Paul is saying this in the culture and context where he's saying it, this is radical stuff. We look back and we're like, oh, maybe this is old hat. We know this. But I'll say something that I've said before. Don't lose your awe and wonder at what God has done for you and for this world just because you're familiar with the story. Put your mind into the context of what and where and when Paul is saying this. This is radical, life-changing, chains-coming-off kind of stuff. Hey all, remember the sacrificial system that kept you in relationship with God by just covering your sin? Remember the covenants, the way that God was trying to reach out, and, and we turned it into the law with all these obligations and, and regulations? Both have lost their power in Jesus. Because Jesus was the fulfillment of the covenant promise and the last sacrifice needed, period. Drop the mic, (laughs) right? (laughs) The sacrificial didn't take care of the sin, it just covered it. But Jesus, through his death and resurrection, finally and completely wiped it out. And we are reborn, made new as we were intended to be, through faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe it's the heat and the fans behind me, I'm getting goosebumps, right? (laughs) Do you see how the story of the Bible, all of this kind of weaves together? It's really important that we know the story of how all this stuff works. We have just kind of really scratched the surface on some of this stuff together. Look at what it says in Romans 25 through 30. I'm going to read a, a good chunk of scripture here. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law, it is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God and he makes makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Praise the Lord. We have hope. (laughs) Romans 7 verse 4 and 6, it continues. So, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ, and now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead, and as a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. We're going to dive into that a little bit next week. What does it mean uh, when we, the the working out of this freedom that we have in Christ? We're going to talk about that next week. But now we have been released from the law for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. We, we, uh, now we can serve God not only, uh, sorry, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but now in the new way of living in the spirit. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, praise the Lord. That's exciting. And this is is the case not only for us as individuals, but also for us as a community, and what God's intentions is for our neighborhood, our community, and the world. This is the kingdom of God. This is who we are. This is where we belong, and this is our message. It's incredible. This is good news. Did you know that Paul is often called the apostle of the heart set free? (laughs) I hope you're, you're getting a sense of that feeling of freedom that we get in and through Christ. It's freedom from the slavery of death. Freedom from sin because now there's a way to finally deal with it. This freedom starts, as we've discussed for the past few weeks, with God's rescue. Which started after the first few chapters of Genesis when Adam and Eve When it all went wrong, God started a rescue plan. It's about God setting people free to and uh, free and to become his children and then prosper in faith. Did you know that's part of the plan as well for you to thrive and prosper in your faith uh, through the connected life that we have with God. We are rescued from the things that enslave us by a God of unconditional love and unimaginable grace. Remember, that's been our refrain for these last couple of weeks. We can be made right, that is free from our sin and back into this close relationship with God through what Jesus has done. And it is all by faith. Here, even now, here, as we sit in this room together. So as I was praying, I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back up. As I was praying for this morning, I just felt like the best way to end our time would be to spend some time in prayer, uh, to call us to a new uh, kind of surrendered heart. Maybe some of you here this morning have been following Jesus for a long time. But like we said last week, sometimes fear in our life can make us quickly run back to those things which once enslaved us and once kept us down because we, it's, it's maybe comfortable or we know it, and it's, it's hard to live into the real, this new freedom and reality that we have in Christ. So is there an area of your heart or your life? Where, where you need to surrender afresh, anew. Maybe you need to surrender in a deeper uh, way this morning. Maybe if you're here or maybe you're joining us online and you've never given your heart to Jesus and you hear the story of what Jesus has done for you and you're compelled to respond. That's the Holy Spirit moving in your heart and we encourage you today. We say don't wait and don't hesitate. Give your heart to Jesus because this is what we were designed for. Do you need to experience that rescuing grace in your life this morning? We're gonna take a time. I've asked the worship team. We're we're actually, I kind of just threw them a, a little change here. We're gonna sing the song again that we just sang before the message. Lord, I need you. Because what a great way to respond in faith today. So I'd ask if you would just close your eyes, bow your heads, and if you're online, Uh, feel free to do the same or uh, you can feel free to type in the chat what the Lord is doing in your heart as you're praying. Uh, But I would just ask for you all just to open your heart, open your minds, open your hands even to the Lord and ask where is he moving? What is he encouraging you to surrender this morning? We have a God of unconditional love and unimaginable grace. Let's surrender to him afresh this morning.